Welcome to another episode of That Recruitment Crowd. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another... You sounded very excited then, Grace. (laughs) Welcome, Grace. Welcome, Emma. Another podcast. Hello. 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 How are we all? We're all right. Sunshine in. It's a Friday. It is sunshine and it is a Friday. So is it quiet out there? I think don't, don't traditionally all recruiters say, oh, it's summer. Oh, it's oh, not, not going not gonna to have a big month this month because it's summer, everyone's on holiday. Is that, is, that, is that where we're going with this month? Well, we like to say that, don't we, Grace? But we're hoping. We're trying for it to not go we're that trying. way. Desperately. Trying for it not to go that way. Um, and actually yeah. in previous years, um, we've had some quite good Augusts. So we're hoping we've got activities thing. We're hoping, but but you are right. It is quiet. People are on holiday, and that is a little bit frustrating. Recruiters claiming summer's a snooze fest. It's like trying to say the whole world's population's made up of professional hammock testers or something. You know, yes, people might be lounging around with a cool beverage in their hand, but so are the whole planet's turned into a whole big massive all-inclusive resort is it you can say that about every you can say christmas you can say easter surely there's jobs out there and there's there's people looking for jobs out there surely there are definitely jobs out there and there are people looking but you do find in the summer that often people job seekers just can't cope with looking you know carrying on looking for a job whilst they're sorting out kids and summer holidays and things yeah but it is also a really good time to tap into people because people do stop do take stock do go on holiday and they often come back thinking actually you know what time to make a change i'm stressed out so it's a kind of one of those it is it's got its challenges but it is also quite good as well post-holiday dread is like definitely a thing isn't it when people dread going back to work and they have that like pre-work anxiety that's when you know and start thinking that something's wrong yeah yeah you get that every sunday don't you i used to not anymore sunday syndrome i don't get that (laughs) so me and emma we've fallen out this week haven't we emma you're probably going to wonder which falling out i'm referring to but um (laughs) i have had someone apply to a role who has already left their job and they don't have a job to go to and i thought that was a bit of a risky move do you see that a lot grace people leaving jobs without a job to go to I am the worst example of this. All the best. I've done it three times. Wow. And I've had four, I'm on my fourth job, so I've done it with every single job that I've had. I don't think I, did I realise this, Grace? When I, well, technically, (laughs) when you, (laughs) you technically (laughs) when you offered me the job, (laughs) I did kind of have, like it was in the same period of time, but I knew I was leaving regardless. But we just got back in touch. So I kind of didn't yeah. have one of that happened something. But I only spoke to you, didn't I? So that one was a little bit different. But the first two, yeah, I just hit breaking point and just thought, I can't do this. I'm out. <laughs> and I was just confident that I would find something. And did you did you have to ride a gap between salaries then? Or did you were you able to find something quick enough to kind of line that up? Did that worry you? No, yeah, it did. But I I just know it's different with recruitment. I think recruiters are really in demand. 
So yeah. and you you know that as a recruiter because you know the market and you, you're constantly looking at job adverts, you're constantly speaking to clients, you know that the skill set is in demand, whereas some jobs I do think it could be really risky because, you know, some of the people that I'm represented at the moment have been made redundant and they're struggling and I'm struggling to to kind of get things over the line quickly. So it could be that they are out of work for, you know, a couple of months. But I think it depends on the time and the industry that you're in. It can be risky. But yeah. also you've got to, my advice with people is sometimes you've got to put your mental health first. And if you're like really hating it that much or it's like a toxic environment, then you need to get out. Yeah. Cut ties. Yeah. yeah. I think I find I with the senior market where I tend to see it the most is either very junior or very senior. And often very senior people, I think, because they have, they're at a different stage in their life. They may have some savings. They may be able to financially ride that. We do see it, you know, people just get to a breaking point really and feel actually, I, you know, to find the right next move, I need to dedicate more time and I can't do that whilst doing this job. So I've got mixed feelings on it. I'm probably not as against it as you are, Steve. Mm, oh, I just, maybe it's just me. I think it, I think I'd be a bit nervous about doing uh, doing something like that. It's like, it's like, like getting off a roller coaster mid loop because you've heard that there's some candy floss at the exit yeah candy floss well candy floss is lovely but you're in the middle of the air you've got to got to remember these things that said i had a read beforehand and in 2021 and obviously this was is going back a bit we know what was all happening about that 47 million people in the u.s quit their jobs and that was 23 percent of the total workforce and 18 percent of those didn't have a job to go to that it, Who's, who can do maths yeah, on that then? Eighteen yeah. percent of don't ask me. Yeah, well, I think it was because a lot of people were going to start up their own jobs, so wasn't it? Was that that was over COVID, wasn't it? When when was COVID? Yeah, like about twenty 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 one twenty. Well, yeah, that. But also is, in the US, yeah. people do. So we've done some recruitment in the US. People don't have the same kind of notice periods that they have here. They they have literally weeks not months and they, these are senior people so they have a culture of job hopping and clients yeah. we dealt with yeah. are shocked when you introduce somebody who might be on a three-month notice period because it's just unheard of in the state so i think there is far more of a job hopping yeah, kind of culture there that is a positive isn't it i suppose try and put a little positive in onto i suppose people who are not currently working are available for immediate start or a sooner start in some situations that's probably a, a positive not not always i suppose but yeah i think it well, is in I high demand it's... roles you know where we see with our professional services clients who you know are looking for hard to find people immediately available would be very appealing against a three-month notice period especially in that you know where we're seeing aggressive buybacks during that notice period so i think i think people used to be very suspicious if somebody had given up a job but i think now actually clients are much more willing to listen and to kind of hear the reasons because they can get that immediate start that's me. I'm suspicious of people. You who are. Give it. I am suspicious, aren't you I? You are, yeah. But why? What possible reason? Okay, you said about mental health, and I, yeah, I get that. You know, if you're really in a position that it's affecting you. But what other possible reason? This thing about it's a full time getting a job's a full time job. <laughs> I'm not sure. I would put my house, bet my house, and my mortgage against it. You know, I'd probably find time. Put it that way. <laughs> what other possible reason could you have to to jack in work and and be be jobless? 
before well, you've got a job. You, well, let's ask you, Grace. You've done it. Okay, on the spot. Yeah, I mean, my the first reason was like more mental health. Like, and to be honest, I've, I've never like struggled with that or had any like serious issues. But it was just it got to the point where I was driving home like every single day crying, um, and I don't even cry. I'm not like yeah. I'm not a cryy person. You're a hard nut, aren't you? Yeah, it, and I, and my confidence was just super knocked, and it's really hard, like, to be in sales when you feel like that. And it was just like an impossible surrounding. I think if I'd have stayed there any longer, I probably wouldn't be in sales anymore. So it was kind of like I just need to cut cut it off. But then I did work notice periods in both those times, so I did have that time. It wasn't like I was out of work from the day you hand your notice in it's that you kind of switch off from that job when you do hand your notice in and you focus on the next thing. But I think my, the first time it was definitely because of like my confidence being knocked and just not being a positive environment. And then the second time, more just because the company just wasn't culturally the way it was previously and there was a lot of different kind of changes going on and it just wasn't where I saw myself continuing so I think there's a lot of a lot of different reasons but it is hard when it's easier to do those things when you don't have a mortgage and you don't have bills to pay and you haven't got that much of a reliance on you in terms of income if you didn't have any savings two kids tapping you up for yeah Minecraft tokens if I didn't have any savings it might be a bit different and, yeah I, yes. I think that's back to my point of where we see it. We see, I don't see it in the middle ground very often. It is more people who are either high earners and, and have you know have got some sort of cushion. Or sometimes I see it when people get a bit further on in their life, they have a bit of a kind of career thought thing, and it kind of suddenly they think actually you know what maybe maybe I need to think things through a bit more carefully or, or career change or something, but. I think when you've got, you know, when you're in your kind of mid-career, you've got a lot of people relying on you personally, you've got mortgages, you've got all of that stuff. It's very difficult to do. Yeah. Well, it comes down to cash, doesn't it? That's what you're saying is, you know, starting off, it's banker mum and dad, probably living mum and dad, and, and then at the other end of the spectrum, it's stacks of cash, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I think I'll go and renovate a yeah. house and muck about doing that for a couple of, for six months and then see what's around. Yeah, there's a lot of people that so, do that, yeah, actually. Yeah. Have a little bit yeah. of a, a rejig. Yeah. I have seen it, though, on the flip side as well, where there have been people that aren't really in those senior positions but have found themselves in a position where they're on a three-month notice, but they're applying for a 30K role and nobody will look at them yeah. because of their notice period. So yeah. they've had to then, because they've been applying for jobs and they've been rejected because of their notice periods, they've then had to hand their notice in and wait until they started interviewing for jobs. So that, And that, oh that's God, a weird that's... one. That I've seen that quite a lot the other way around. That's like selling a house. When we were buying a house, no one would show us a house until we'd sold our house. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way it is now. Yeah. No, it's changed. Yeah. It's changed. Oh, is it? Yeah. The housing market is not in the same. We aren't looking to move particularly, but we've seen a couple of things that just caught our eye. Now, a year ago, no way you had to have yeah. your house on the market. You had to have sold it. They were happy to just show us round. It really? has, oh, wow. Despite what they are saying, it has definitely... It's definitely cooled off, yeah. Cooled off. So, yeah, we've seen a few properties and we've got no for sale sign or anything. Yeah, 
That's definitely cooled um, off from what it was in COVID. We were we were buying in the middle of COVID, and you know we sold that house. I forget if it was twice or three to three times. So it all it fell over for a couple of reasons, and you know it was easy to sell it after you sold it in a week each time. But mm. going and seeing houses, they were you know like oh you know I've got ten offers already with fifteen percent mm. over asking price. You've got ten minutes to do you want to come in? You're not. Mean, okay, okay, you know. So anyway, we digress. But um, yeah, no, it's, it seems like it's definitely definitely cooled off from it. So so. I think we, what we were intending to talk about, and we're quarter of an hour in, and have even started imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. So, what is it? It is. It's like your brain having a laugh at your expense, basically, isn't it? You're sitting there just quietly doing your thing, and then your brain sort of says to you, "Are you sure that you should be here?" It's like it's like the bouncer at the the club of self confidence giving you that sceptical little look and asking for your ID and you're left feeling like you've snuck into the back door, hoping that no one realizes you accidentally ended up in the VIP section of life. Emma, you <laughs> strike me as someone who who obviously would suffer with imposter syndrome. <laughs> I yeah, though you're you're right. I've spoken to you about it before. It's this it's this inability to believe in certain situations that you, you know, that you deserve the success you've got or you're capable of doing kind of what you said you have. And I I have experienced it myself at certain points. I have coached a lot of candidates through it and at all levels from kind of entry level right up to very senior appointments. And actually now when I'm dealing with candidates, and my team, I cover it whether I think they are or not, because actually quite a lot of people do get it, particularly at that point when they're starting or about to start a new job. Yeah. You know, that's a that's kind of like a key place that it can it can hit. And it and that's where it, I kind of really felt it actually was when I came out of self employment and went into employment sort of six years ago when when I joined Ballard's. I just had a a real attack of it, not for long, about a a couple of weeks where I just kind of felt that I'd, you know, I'd I'd said all this stuff that I could do, which I absolutely could do. And then I'd arrived, just just reassuring you, I could do it. (laughs) Then then I'd arrived on day one. And then you just suddenly think, oh God, can I actually do this? I've, I've said I can do these things and now I'm here and I feel a bit like fraud and actually what can I do? And of course, if you just do what you've always been doing, you're doing what you what you're good at and and of course your confidence comes back and you realize actually I'm worthy of this job and I I see it a lot in in candidate. Well, um, it's really really common. I had to look at some stuff and KPMG did a a report and of those people asked I didn't see, didn't read how many that asked, but it was 75% came back saying that they had they had at some point suffered with with imposter syndrome i've got some stats in front of me actually i've just googled 65 percent of professionals are unfamiliar with the term imposter syndrome but familiar with the symptoms weird 75 percent of female executives reported they have experienced <laughs> imposter syndrome this is interesting 85 percent of people who have impo- who suffered with imposter syndrome have not spoken to someone at work about their struggles or fears as or, or being seen as weak and only 5% of employers directly address imposter syndrome with their staff. Is this something that we should sort of be factoring into into our sort of HR well, you know, mental health we, policy? Well, it looks of it, yes. It's difficult because I, when I start, you know, when I first started at Ballard's, I didn't know anyone. So it's very unlikely 
that I was going to go up to somebody that I didn't know in my first week and yeah. say to them, I feel a bit inadequate <laughs> because you're just not, <laughs> you know, you're just not, yeah, no one's not going, going to, do, to that. do that, are you? You're going in all guns blazing. But the one, the I suffered from it a couple of years ago. I just had a really small wobble. I, we took on a contract into Foursquared and it was just an awful lot to get to grips with very quickly. And I did have a little mini attack. And I do remember talking to you about it, Steve. It was just a little bit out of my comfort zone. Absolutely, we were more than capable of doing it. I was more than capable, but I had a mini wobble. And I did feel that I had the kind of relationship that I've got with you that I could talk to you about it. And I did find that very supportive and you boosted up my reminded me what I can do and, and what I do well and things and, and it was fine and it was over very quickly. So I think if we can talk about it a bit more at work and, and certainly in the onboarding, as an employer in the onboarding process, you know, we I will often bring it up. If I get to meet people who've just started in the business in the first couple of weeks i'll just not use those words imposter syndrome but i'll usually say look you know first couple of weeks really hard aren't they because you can't you feel a bit doubtful you can't kind of relax and i just tried to kind of have a little relaxed chat with them and tease it out to so some of them won't use the words but they will kind of imply that they feel a bit like that and then you just kind of give them some reassurances or with our mean. candidates i actually say to them look you will probably feel like this when you start it's very normal. Don't let it knock your confidence because you know exactly what you're doing. Mm. Even a Batman has a day off. He forgets where he parked the Batmobile, gets his cape stuck in the door. You know? <laughs> but it's not it's just true. when you start. It's not when you start a job, is it? It's like you started off by saying about oh, when you started roles, but and finished by saying that. But you know, I think it's possible to have this. It's, you yeah. know, when you're working, because it's quite a big thing, because I, I did a read about it. There's actually books about it of ways to cope yeah. with the three C's of I can't remember what they were basically trying to identify when when it came about the reasons and then reframing it and creating an environment and your own inner voice there's lots of stuff written out there to to deal with it so it's actually it seems like it's quite quite a um quite a big thing i think it's very big you know it's it i kind of wrongly often thought that it attacks women more it well it it, look actually the stats say it does yeah but it does affect men and you know i i was chatting to one of the partners i won't name them about it the other day and he you know for him it was around his age he often felt he knew he knew what he was doing but he often felt sometimes when he turned up at meetings because he was young people would think what's he know about anything and actually a lot and he's very good and he had to, you know did remind himself of that so i think it you know has it ever happened to you steve no never <laughs> We Ever, all knew that unfortunately. answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never well, that you would would admit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Quite. But yeah. the women thing. I read something as well that there has been studies about uh, working mums um, and where their focus is, you know, on personal life versus work and so on, and 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 so there's guilt elements come into that, and they're trying trying to balance their, you know, where their mind is quite rightfully with balancing home responsibilities and and parental responsibilities although i appreciate obviously that you know the other half men have those parental issues as well but there was some focus you know talked about women you know having it more than men or i did and i think there were some studies as to 
working mums or, or par- parental mm. working mums and there's some impact on that as well yeah no well well there you go it sounds like people out there if anyone is listening that we need to focus on on this quite a lot into the sort of men- mental health side of things by the sounds yeah. of it yeah i think it's just recognizing it like grace you're grace and i are at different kind of stages in our career and we're different ages are you um <laughs> hadn't noticed sisters grace is nice and young but anyway grace but grace has done very you know she's she's young she's done well in her career she you know she comes across as a very confident capable person so to the out you know to an outsider i would think well i bet grace has never suffered from this have you grace is it something yeah yeah i'm a a bit like steve in some ways and that sometimes my confidence is is pretty good but I think in definitely like I became a manager in recruitment at well 21 of one person and then at 22 I was managing like four or five so it was that for me was a transition and pretty much everybody was older than me that I was managing and I always had that like do they talk about me and say she doesn't know anything or you know who is she to tell me what to do when she's younger than me and specifically like when I'm going into these meetings as well even from like a a non-management perspective and going in with these MDs I was 17 18 when I started doing that and I was telling them that they were paying thousands of pounds to me to find them these people and trying to get that that kind of confidence from them and definitely had times where I was going in those alone and thinking oh my god he's gonna rip me apart or even some women when I've gone in have been like you're really young how old are you and yeah, yeah definitely had Don't that. Don't say that anymore, can you? Yeah, definitely had that where where <laughs> not because you're not young. I mean, I mean, it's not it's not PC as well. I mean. <laughs> I'm too old now. <laughs> but I've had it. Yeah. But it's I think you can talk your way out of it quite easily. Like in, yeah, and if you believe it in your mind, you're okay. But I think a lot of people get it in the recruitment process from like the experience that I've had with candidates, and they almost talk themselves out of a job before even going there yeah yeah or they'll go to an interview and they'll say you know i'm not sure i was good enough like i don't think it was quite right yeah and then the feedback from them in the interview was like oh my god we love them you know they're perfect so talking them around that and i think that's what is so good as a agency and a recruitment consultant to do and that is where like we can add value in processes because there must be so many candidates out there that come away from an interview and just ghost the clients because they're just so scared of what the feedback yeah. might be or that they're not good enough i think that must happen all the time yeah and i think you do you know it's just flagging to them that it's kind of it's okay to feel like that because yeah. it's normal because it's what we do but actually if you weren't good enough we wouldn't be putting you forward this client thinks you're good but yeah you know, and we've all had to say that yeah and you do sometimes, you know, I've, I've seen it where candidates are really keen on a job, you know, really, really keen. They performed brilliantly at interview. They get offered the job. And actually at that point, the panic kind of sets in because it's actually become panic. real. You yeah. know, it's all that they've wanted. Then it's become real. And then it's a case of, crikey, I've actually got to deliver this now, what I've said. And it's just holding their hand, getting them through that and on to the other side. Mm. There you go, imposter syndrome, like turning up to a party, acting like you own the place when really you're just lost and looking for the bathroom. 
There you go. But you know what? We're all a bit like cabbages pretending to be fancy vegetables. But cabbages can make very, very good coleslaw. So go out there and be your cabbage self. Make coleslaw for success because the world could... I'm not sure where this is going. It's my Jerry Springer type of summary. I'm sort of (laughs) trying to put a positive spin on on it, you know, because the world needs authenticity and a lot less pretending. So there you go. Be yourselves and be authentic. So check us out uh, for square.com and as always Emma and Grace uh, absolute pleasure and I will catch you on the next one thank you cheers guys see you again bye bye thanks bye, bye.